Welcome, welcome coaches, teachers, parents, and medical professionals. You are listening to Larissa Mills and my podcast, At The Table. I am the founder of iParentGen.com, and today and every day, we are going to discuss how families and schools are managing technology and raising children and teaching them. We are also going to listen to how technology is impacting athletes and their level of sport. So let's get to it. Stay tuned and please call in with your questions or join us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. But parents, you are not alone. There are courses, articles, and videos on my website. Please sign up for free. So let's get listening. Hi there. How are you, Rob? How's it going? Going great. Thanks for having me on today. I'm, I was so happy I found you <laughs> out of the big, <laughs> the big wide internet. I found somebody to talk to you about the mental health aspect of coaching. And you come with a really extensive background in, in sports and junior college and an athletic administrator and high school coach. And you played, I can't even read this all here. You played multi-level college basketball and are the director of champions of character of national association of intercollegiate athletes. That's amazing. You've done amazing things. Just means I'm old is all that it means. <laughs> so it kind of comes through. Just cover a lot of bases. But but the, the good news, proactive coaching, we've been around now for about 20, 25 years. And yeah, that's saw, yeah, that's that. the forte where, where we bring this information to the forefront. And why is it that you started that? Well, my partner, Bruce Brown, is the one that got it started back yeah. at the end of his coaching career, back around 2000. And we met right around 2000. And then I joined him in 2008. Yeah. And now we go around to high schools, colleges, youth programs, and work with them. And the whole purpose was to build intentional. We, we really believe a lot of teams hope something good happens. Yeah. And we want to work with teams to intentionally drive that to happen. Right. Go beyond the X and O's, be intentional coaches. And then we always put it, your team should be great. And if you're not team, your team's not great, look in the mirror. And the concept for us is great teams reach potential and potential is based on your culture and your choices, not on your talent. Right. It's interesting you say that because when I read the new NCAA statistics that come up, because um, I'm interested in them, right? It's actually starting to reflect what you're saying. They're actually starting to say they want kids who are in grade nine. Well, in Canada anyway, that's how they're not allowed to, to talk to our kids until they're 13 here. And they look at, they say, we want to know, is your son or daughter playing three sports? Because the math says that the kids that are playing three sports in grade nine here, they will be playing at least one sport well by grade 12 when NCAA would look at them. Right? Yeah, the, I think the statistic is, if you look at all divisions of college athletics yeah. of NCAA one, two, and three, and you look at the NAIA, the National Association of Intercollegiate yeah. Athletics, 88% of all college athletes were multi-sport athletes in high school. And that is something that I, when I read that, I was just, well, that makes sense though. Yep. Because it's the cross training effect. It's all that that kind of goes into it. Injured, right? It's the not mentality. getting injured. That one stat I read that's fascinating is kids who specialize in one sport are like 60% more likely to get hurt than kids who do not. And, and it's, it's a matter of breakdown bodies, you know, you know, it's just, Kids need rest at time. As one great doctor down here says in the States, you know, you play your primary sport six months out of the year, play a secondary sport three months and go fishing and hiking for three months. You know, That's take some time to recover. Mr. Mill and I are going to discuss how coaches and parents in a joint effort can develop athletes' confidence, resilience, and hopefully 
see that fearlessness and make them better competitors in the digital world. Because now, you know, uh, Mr. Miller, I don't know if I can call you Rob, we're seeing such a fight between kids fatiguing, staying up late, and we've seen a difference in their attitude. What have you seen in the last 20 years in sports in terms of attitude? But I'm not sure kids' attitudes have changed, but distractions have become huge. Okay. Okay. That's one. I think distractions have become huge. I think the other part that's become huge is in the last 20 years, here's what I think I've mentioned this wherever I speak. We've gotten really good at t-shirt slogans and banner statements and really bad at action statements. Yeah. We tell them, here's what we want out of you. But if you take a hundred kids and you say you want respect, and then you ask those hundred kids to define respect, how many different, how many different definitions of respect will you have? Mm-hmm. And we think we're on the same page. And I think that's where we've lost a lot in the 20 years. Kids are distracted more. There's no doubt. On the other hand, we haven't clarified expectations as well either. You know, if I walk up to a team and ask them this, what's your team stand for? Would they all tell me the same thing? Second is, if I say, what's that look like in the offseason? What's that look like in preseason? What's that look like in practice? What's that look like in the classroom? What's that look like in community? Would be on the same page or would we be saying different things? Intentional coaches make sure our definitions are the same and our action statements are moving us forward. That's the key. Would you say that um, over the past 15 years, because we're seeing an issue with it here, we're seeing that social media has sort of changed children to make them more insecure. Would you say that you have seen a confidence issue in some athletes and teams lately and they're trying to one up and even I'm seeing bullying on teams and what have you? Yeah, I think I think what you see is is a lack of what true confidence really is. Confidence has become arrogance in some ways. Confidence has become um, I'm going to talk the game, not walk the walk that, you know, so confidence, I think social media, remember what we do in athletics. We don't do any place else when it comes to confidence. We, all of our kids are going to fail in athletics. Absolutely. And where do they fail? Publicly, right? Okay. I don't know. If I fail a test, that's between me and the teacher. I fail athletically. It's between me and the world. And now somebody takes a cell phone video of it, throws it up on social media. ESPN has the top 10 worst plays of the week. Who didn't do their play? Every mistake can get magnified. And so we got to create an atmosphere where kids are willing to risk for us because that's where I think a big change has come. If they don't trust us as a coach, why are they going to risk for us, fail for us and fail publicly for us and get it thrown up on social media? Yeah. So that trust becomes huge when it comes to confidence. What are some of the other strategies when you're speaking to coaches um, about how to build strategy up with, let's say a young group, like 14 to, to 16? I'm well, I think there's two different ways there. There's what we call team commitment and individual commitment. And, okay. and the team commitment, our strategy for that is we call them core covenants. You know, you might call them values, principles, whatever it is. Okay. But the short version of that is we take them through and where most teams stop, okay, I call it the awareness, the education, and the engagement. Most people stop at the awareness. Let's come up with a good theme, throw it on our t-shirt, and that's what we'll wear around, and that's what we'll be then they don't ever talk about they it. They don't again. talk about it or do it. Right. So we take them through a process like what's good about your team? What's bad about your team? Okay. Let's talk about that. Now let's come up with our themes or our words based on that. That's the first thing. But here's the key. We give them ownership to help us with that process. 
And how would you do that? What does that look like? What we do is when we will workshop, if we come into a school, we're working yeah. with a coach and their leadership group. Now, if it's a small team, maybe everybody, but of course, when you get to 30, 40, you can't have that, right? So yeah. you bring in some, I didn't say captains, I said leadership, because sometimes captains and leaders are vastly different. Oh, teams. I would agree with that statement. <laughs> yep. So you bring in the leadership group. And you give them ownership and we take them through a series of questions, workshops, conversations, yeah. activities to kind of create that. Because if you tell them what you want, you'll get compliance. If they are part of the process, they take ownership. And when ownership comes, they're more apt to get it done and the ceiling rises on what your team can become. So that core covenant piece is the biggest way we do it. And then the second part is now what's that look like? Here's your words. Okay. your theme, whatever you want to call it. Second is where do you want it to be seen? Practice, weight room, games, what classroom, where is it you want it to be seen? And the third is let's get to some action statements. And here's another one where I think we really kind of got to watch it. Yeah. We'll get very general, have good attitude. I don't want to have good attitude. Who knows what that means? Your definition of mine can be different, right? Narrow it down. Two or three things under each area. It doesn't, I'd rather have teams be really good at a few things. Yep. Then really average it a lot. Give me 12 to 15 things we can do and be good at. So what's that mean like? You know, instantly cover from a mistake. I can see that. I can come to practice, see if you've done that. No excuses. I can see that. Okay. Be on time. I can see that. Whatever the, those action statements are, they're things we can see. So that core covenant piece, and again, that's a half-day workshop, but that's how we really gain that, that team piece. Okay. The individual piece Think about motor development. As a coach, we're all teaching motor development skills, right? And how the laws of motor development are define, model, shape, and reinforce. So yeah. we have to define a skill, model skill, shape it, confront it, and then reinforce it. We need to teach values the exact same way. And do you so, think that in the last 10, 15 years that coaches have done a good job in teaching values? I think they're getting better because they recognize a couple things of all of a sudden it used to be, okay, we're somewhat on the same page. We're coming at it from different pages right now. How can we get on the same page? But I think maybe the second one that has really impacted coaches the most, when you think about 10 to 15 years ago, you had the word coach put in front of your name. It came almost all the time with instant trust. Almost. 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 Not always, yes. but almost came and with I instant did. trust. I did because I had numerous coaches, right? Yep. And I love them all. Uh, and it's funny, what I was going to attach this question to you, I didn't in my notes to you, but if you ask a child today who their favorite coach was, less and less children are saying they had a favorite coach. And that really, what has become disjointed, because I loved almost all of my coaches because they believed in me, they trusted me, they let me fail, and even if I did fail, they still loved me, yep. right? Like they still accepted me parents will be very critical at home, right? And kids know right away when they've screwed up, when they misdribbled or they fouled out or they, they got a penalty and they made a mistake, but we don't need to embellish it. We need to say, okay, this is what you did. Yeah, sure. Let's show you ways in which to prevent that from happening again. So yep. tools, right? Yep. So we built, we work a lot on how do you build, because trust isn't going to come automatic. How do you build trust? So yeah. we work with coaches on that a lot. Coaches are into that. Okay, how yeah. do I build that? Because think about the outside influences now. 
Okay. One, you mentioned one. You know, our philosophy is this. When parents and coaches work together, miracles can happen. When parents and coaches work apart, kid loses. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm sitting at home as the parent ripping my kid's coach. Well, that automatically starts building against trust. Yeah. And as a coach, I can't sit at at practice and rip a parent. You know, same thing. It it builds into that. Now add into that some of the other things that happen. Here's another thing. Kids used to be like when you and I probably growing up, and I'm old, much older than you, but, no, but looking okay. at that, we had our coaches. Now I may be going to my school coach and my club coach and they're telling exactly different things. And now I'm pitting them against each other. Parents, I find do that more. Parents will do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now all of a sudden, well, my, well, their club coach says this, or their school coach says this, and they pit them against each other and the kids looking going, who do I believe? I know. So you're right. So, so those are the things that I think are helping coaches gain that advantage. And then the third thing is what you deal with. Coaches are trying to get a grasp of how to live in the digital world where kids are living right now. It's coming. It's getting better. I mean, I'm 57. That's not a world I'm used to. aware that mm-hmm. the phones are affecting our athletes. Um, and that yep. was another question I had for you, actually. When are you... We, we see children who are spending more in time sedentary gaming, and they're not actually developing their muscular skeletal system. They're not developing their bones. Like they're not getting the same bone density, if you can believe it or not. So we know for the last five, 10 years that kids are spending more and more time inside the home. Are coaches seeing this in higher injuries or fatigue? How are they seeing it? Because every coach is seeing it in different ways. I, th- I think the biggest way, if you look at some great information, if I don't know if you ever heard of John Underwood. No, but I'll John Underwood. Make sure you know. What's that? Yeah. What's, Make sure you what's that, again? that name to me. I don't know. I don't know. I will. John Underwood, U.S. Olympic trainer out of Lake Placid area. Oh, and, right. okay. And a lot of his information is very fascinating. And he's worked for years on the effects of alcohol, drugs, but he's changed it to sleep lately. It's sleep. It is. It, and sleep is the average college athlete sleeping six hours and five minutes a night. The average high school athlete's like six hours and 20 minutes a night, according to his study. And the impact that has on physical and also mental, mental. performance is yeah. unbelievable. Academic performance. And not all of it, but a lot of it's because they're texting, they're scheming, they're social media until late, late in the night. So yeah. it's a huge drawback. So as coaches, we've got to find out how can we use it, not how does it impact us in a negative way. Um, there have been talks, and I've only seen one or two apps where coaches, if if you have a team, they've installed an app on their athletes' phones saying, no, no, bed by 1030, right? So you're all going to bed early. You're all, if you're not going to listen to me, then I'm going to control it. And you can't be on my team unless you're going to listen to me because I have your health and best mental health at heart here. If you're not going to take care of you, let me take care of you. And they are, they're asking these kids to sign these, these apps and, and do it. And you know what? These kids are performing because they trust the coach and they're getting the sleep and they're not getting injured because they're sleeping eight hours a day. That's right. It's huge. And the question that we have, I know we deal with a lot down in the States is, is a couple issues on that. One is how do you get the parents to buy into that? Number right. two is we have a lot of state policies about how you communicate with kids in high school area, things like that. Clubs can do it much easier than high schools can do. I, it. I agree. There's red tape. Yeah. yeah. But then the third thing is, I think the way to get 
that go back to what I said before. Yeah. If you can get them to own that and they own say it. they'll do it, oh my, you're right. That's when they buy in. And I've seen it down in Texas with some teams. Yeah. They come to camp and you know what they do? They all put their cell phones in a bag. Yeah, that's what I got. cell phones stay in the bag during the camp. They get them once a day to call home for like 10 minutes. And what the coaches yeah. say is it goes the same way all the time. First day, they're like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Second day is, hey, I need my phone to call call home. Third day, they forget to call home. Yeah, because they're so involved socially communicating and bonding. And that's and unfortunately, that's something the pandemic is it's really hurting us. Uh, we really can't communicate and, and be up close with people. I mean, yep. here in Canada, in this city, particularly in London, we have done a fantastic job at shutting down COVID. But we are not going to get high school sports. We are not going to see elementary sports. We have to, if if you have the money to put your child in a sport, but I feel bad for all the kids who really, really need it and can't get it this year. That breaks my heart because and, and, every kid deserves a sport or, or karate or music or whatever it is. Right? Well, yeah, because that's what we say. Great teams come in all shapes, forms, and sizes. And sometimes that's music. My daughter was performing arts. Oh, they wonderful. need that. Yeah. We've been, I was talking to our football coach here in Liberty where I live, uh, just outside of Kansas City. Yeah. And we're in our fourth week of fall high school sports. We, we're going as normal. Okay. I mean, what's precautions? How are your numbers? Like your numbers? Our numbers, for our, our numbers aren't too bad. And okay. we've had a thousand kids at our high school involved in out in athletic activities since, since June 2nd. No nope. We've had two positive cases and both times that's when they went away on vacation. So are you, are you playing contact? We're in our fourth week of high school football this week. So who are you playing? Are you playing people in your area? Or are yeah, our whole, our whole state's open for high school athletics. And has never stopped youth athletics, ever. We've been going since March. So wow. precaution, Everything you know, social distancing, stuff. that. But we're playing. See, no, we're playing competitively. Like my, my kids were in competitive soccer all summer. They were yep. able to, to, to join in and the entire city in in swimming lessons and now hockey here they, <laughs> I, I don't want to say anything <laughs> yet but, um, i get it i'm a michigan person i understand hockey um, Canada. i think that there will be there's some really internal turmoil here with some of our associations our one association has put out what they want to do i just think it should be if we're not allowed to play and travel then we should be able to have as many teams as we can so i would take the triple a double a double A, single A, and the MD set of house leagues, balance all the 10 teams. So you actually have 10 teams to play within this city and do a city round robin view, uh, have them play with frequency to increase their mental health. Who cares if they travel? Who cares if your triple A kid is playing on a house league team with a kid this year? I really don't care because this year is different. That's what we've said right. around here too. And we've had, we had one situation where one of our high school teams that's close to us didn't get a chance to play their first game because of a school over on the other side of the state had to okay. cancel. And so when they finally played, I loved, they lost a game they probably shouldn't have lost, but the coach put it this way. And I think this helped with the entire school and community. Yeah. The coach said, we didn't like the result, but aren't we thankful to be playing? Let's yeah. all be thankful we get out there are a lot of very angry hockey parents in this city. And I have to say that, you know, I just want my kid to play this yep. year. I don't care what level they're going to play. I just want them to play like a practice and a game. 
I'd be so grateful to see that this year, right? Because I'm all about the cross sport play. Like our kids have to do swimming, soccer, hockey, they golf, they fish. Like they do every, they play basketball. I don't even know what the older kid wants to do yet. He hasn't even figured it out, but I just don't want to see them injured. And I don't want to see them give up any sport just yet. Wayne Gretzky said it best. You want your kids in hockey? Sure. But they shouldn't be playing it all year round. They got to pick up another sport. That's right. Right. But the parents have a hard, hard time with that. Like their parents all over putting their kids in hockey all summer into camps all over. And and part of it is the advice they're getting sometimes. Your kid has to be in my program 12 months out of the year to be successful. And and there's that balance. So you got to match that. Find that right club that has the best interest, that right program that has the best interest for your son or your daughter, whatever it is, not the one that wants you because why? Let's be honest. you You get a pay every year. You got to find the, there's a lot of great clubs out there to work with. Find those, spend the time. And and you know what, here we're very limited in Canada. When I went through the NCAA to try out for volleyball there, I have to say I had the most fun experience ever. Like I showed up at Niagara University and the coach is like, wow, you're a lot shorter than I saw (laughs) (laughs) you. I see these girls, I played middle volleyball. Yep. And I see these girls on the court and they're like six foot one and I'm only five, seven. They're like, Oh, are you our back row? I'm like, yeah, um, I guess I am now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they would like rub my head before I went on the court. They're like, Hey, polar bear, how's it going? You know, and I had a great experience. Like the girls were just phenomenal athletes, but we don't have the level of sport that you do. We just yeah, don't- but I think you just hit on something that's key. I think this is key to the whole relationship, especially with parents and kids. When Mm -hmm. kids start going up that cycle, they start seeing themselves. They understand where they sit. Right. They get it. Okay. I can't do that. Okay. (laughs) It's like I got to college as a basketball player and I realized I'm not going to play that position either because I don't have the speed that I had in high school because now I'm around better athletes. Oh, parents don't see that as quick. And it's parents still see who they, you know, when they're around the other group and they're here, they don't see now I'm here around this group and it's hard. I get it. It's hard to see that, but athletes see that and they know where they can perform. And it was interesting because not only was I thinking, Oh, I'm, I'm here. And I, I have to admit, you know, I was a very talented athlete, but also I worked at it. Right. Like I disciplined, I thought I listened to my coaches. I never thought I always had it right ever because that's when you, I think you don't, you're not an athlete anymore. Well, you just hit on a big issue. I believe that's affecting all of athletics. And you know, you said your, your kids are, one of your kids is at least a swimmer and they're still in the, they still get it. And what I mean, cross country runners and swimmers still get this, but a lot of other sports, here's what we've gone to. We used to practice three or four times for every one game, and now we're playing three or four games for every one practice, and it's killing us. Oh, it's okay. killing us. Yeah. Because we're not getting the repetition. We're just getting no, thrown out there. One. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and we need to go back to a model, I'm not sure we ever can, where you're practicing. Think about a swimmer. How many t- reps do they have in the pool before they compete? My daughter was swimming at her highest level seven times a week, some days twice a day. And she only got one day of recovery. Yep. And her yep. swimming. And how many? And how many competitions a month? Well, that's interesting because 
you have to have a time trial, which is one, that's a swim meet. Mm-hmm. And then you would have a meet, sometimes two meets, maybe one. So it'd be time trial meet, time trial meet, I think. And there was very little recovery going on in some programs, right? So, and, and, and I, I wanted to see some of them do other sports or mix it up a little bit, but they, I'm glad they really started to introduce dry land and become more aware yep. that we need small muscles to make the bigger muscles work in this program. Uh, but yeah, once you start to go like this really, really high up, it, it becomes almost, uh, how do I explain it? It's so finely tuned that she didn't get that cross of everything else. So injury happened. Bang. And that to us in our co- proactive coaching, we think that should come. You start funneling a junior senior year, you know, grade right. t- eleven, what twelve. What grade is that for you? Like grade. That'd be grade eleven or twelve okay. for us okay. as well, junior yeah, senior. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's when you start seeing some kids funnel. Obviously, co- college most kids will funnel into that one area. But I just get worried in the youth. I get worried both ways. One, well, what you're I'm talking about, because we do have youth kids swimming seven days a week, and they shouldn't be. No. On the other hand. We have kids practicing on Tuesday and then playing 17 games over the weekend in a tournament. Doesn't what? make sense either. What is, how does that even, how is it even? Well, they go in and they play volleyball, they play basketball, and they just, you know, Friday night we're going to play two or three games, and I, 17 is an exaggeration, but but they'll play three or four on Saturday and a couple on Sunday, and they played eight games over the weekend and practice once or twice during the week. But that's not, even, even if I were designing a program like that and in charge of it, I would not let that happen because the kids need, a little bit more rest and actually not just rest, but I'm actually going to say this because um, it leads me to my next question is if you have an elite athlete, Rob, and you, you see them up and coming, what advice would you give parents to help them become a well-balanced athlete in today's digital world? How would you, how would you as a parent help your child become a good balanced athlete mentally and physically? Well, one, first of all, we're going to be grounded as a family. Uh, You know, we're not going to be spending all of our time running all over the place for just this. We are going to find some family time. And, you know, the best way I can put it is go back. You know, we talked about going back 15, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Whatever the reasons were, I don't care what the reasons were. For me, they happened to be faith-based. For some, they weren't. Sundays were a day of family and rest. I really miss Sundays, how every, the malls now are open. I'm like, I just want it to be a day, eh? Like just- a day to go hike and spend with the family. You know, for me, it was after church. We got together. We had a big dinner. We yeah. might have gone outside, yeah. done something yeah. together. But it was family day. And yeah. and I think that that is so important. We miss that. And that's the number one thing. I think when you find – it's amazing to me when you talk to professional athletes and go back how many of them had a balance in life? They understood family. Two, I think you spoke to it. Cross training, don't get burnout. Find other ways to train. You know, I laugh. I I always remember some of the funnest things we did in college basketball is practice. You know, every once in a while, practice wouldn't be basketball. We'd have a day of team handball. (laughs) We've seen it where where the basketball team was playing badminton. And they couldn't yeah, yeah, exactly. This you know, just sometimes you need that. It's mental as much different. as physical. And it, it was so fun. And you know what it did? It helped the bullies on the team. You know, the other kids who were weaker on players were actually doing better. And it showcased different skills. Yep. And it actually blended the team out. They're like, oh, gosh, he's better at me in badminton, but I'm way better at him in basketball. And it really blended it. Or uh, the one volleyball team, they all had to go swimming. Now, that's funny. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> in football, 
try putting football players in a pool when their necks are this big and they can't get their arms out, but swimming is so good for them. But you know what? What do they talk about 25, 30 years later? Remember that practice when we went swimming? It's, it's those moments, right? It's, it's the moments. moments. It's the um, moments. So the third thing, let me just yeah. mention this. Yeah. I think really important for them to help lead them to the right resources because of the digital age, there's millions of resources out there. And I think we have to help them as parents funnel through what's the positive ones and what's the ones that are junk. Right. And for us, that made me research on our end. We may have to get to work and say, what are these good ones? Whether it be nutrition, training, whatever, let's find the good ones. Right. And what, what can we tell parents how, how to talk to their kids wise? What should we be telling our, 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 our kids in their little ears? Because you know how parents put the little birdies in their ears um, and there's a good way to do this. And you know that, and there's a very bad way that we can do this. What should, what should be, be saying to them? Well, a couple of different things we approach. The first thing we love, we talk to parents and coaches about both. Yes. If we had your athlete take out a piece of paper and on the left-hand side, put three people down in their life that are confidence builders. And on the right-hand side, put three people down that are confidence cutters. In their right life, now. Yeah. Where would your name go? Okay. As a parent or a coach, would your kid put you under a confidence builder or a confidence cutter? Builder. Okay. That's the first thing. Are we building our kids confidence or are we yes. taking confidence away from them? Yeah. Yeah. I think we have to deal with them. Correction is a compliment and kids need to be corrected. But let's leave that to the experts. Corrections should be coming from the people that know what they're talking about. Now, hey, if I'm coaching my daughter at age four or five, guess what? I can probably correct her even in some sports I don't know a lot about. Yeah. But, but, she but for my daughter, she played, she, you know, she played seven, eight years of soccer. And she wasn't an athlete. She ended up performing arts. But she played seven or eight years of soccer. Well, by about age fourth, fifth year she was playing soccer, I had no clue. I'm a basketball guy. I didn't know what was going on there. Yeah. I needed to back off and be mom and dad. So I think there is the key. Not, yeah, be mom. As soon as the competition is over and you get in that car, don't try to be coach. Be mom and dad. Be mom and dad. And I, we always say, you know what the best thing you can tell your kid? You love to watch them play. And you know what? We That's so funny you say that because a lot of parents, they get into the car and I, I almost see the kids slowly walking to the car, right? I just let it go. You just let it go, right? Especially if they lose. You just let it go. And I just, you know, we always say this kids, kids need time and space to recover. And when we hop in the car and we want to rehash the game with them, we're ruining the experience for them. And as coaches, we need to remember that too. After the game, you know what? Leave the emotion out of it. Tell them what needs to be said, get out because probably we need to go watch the game film to figure out what really happened anyways. Okay. So give them time and space. One of the things we have a presentation we call the role of parents in athletics and it's based off of Bruce. He surveyed his kids, and he coached junior high, high school, college, all levels. Okay. And he surveyed his kids, and their worst memory is the ride home with mom and dad after the game. Oh, that just breaks my heart. And it's not because we're bad parents. They're not saying mom and dad's bad. They're saying when they hop in the car, the last thing they want to do is get told everything they did wrong. Because let's go back to how you and I started this conversation. Kids know when they did it wrong. I just want to say that uh, Rob is highlighting five things. I want to say the five things that you've highlighted here for parents. So the one thing is make sure that you don't ruin the car trip home. Try not to be critical of your child. Let the coach handle the feedback more so is what I'm also hearing from you. Um, Try and be your child's confident builder, not confident cutter is right. The height, right. And 
when you are a coach speaking from the coach's perspective, we need to put more action behind our statements. I see one common thread talking. We need to talk more to our athletes and talk more to, to parents and talk more to our kids. And, and, and with that, be positive demanding with your kids, whether you're a coach or a parent, never demean them or embarrass them. No, I, I don't think there's a place for that anymore. I mean, nope. we I saw some horrible things during the hockey NHL playoffs this time. And I thought, you know, I don't think I really want to be yelled at that way. And there were other people justifying that behavior, like yeah. telling them the guy's a beep beep. I'm like, do you really think he's going to respect you when he comes back to practice with you? You can be positive demanding, and that can come with some angst and come with some energy. But the moment you demean somebody or embarrass them, you're going to lose them. And when you do it on national television? Yeah, that's right. I'm like, Welcome to our world. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Well, thanks, thanks, Rob. It's been uh, really insightful listening to how different countries do sports differently, but how you're doing it, proactive coaching. I really like your approach. I think with your focus and your vision, you are going to help more athletes become more successful and stay in their sports longer. That's our goal. We want the kids to walk away with no regrets, as we put it. Walk away and say, this is a great experience. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Rob, for being here today on At The Table. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today at the table with Larissa. I'm going to keep exploring all the reasons why children are having more mental health issues, speech delays, and on their phones 24-7. Parents, it is our responsibility to raise happy, productive humans. If you wish to come on the show, just contact me off my website, where you'll find courses, articles, group support, and more. Just sign up for free, or you can follow us on Instagram. Here's hoping your family stays balanced and happy.